Welcome. You're listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast, the show that cuts through the fog of war and updates you about the ongoing conflict in Ukraine. Don't forget to like, comment and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and Google Podcasts. Hello, I'm Marina Yevshan, co-host of the Russia-Ukraine War Report podcast, and today is October the 24th, 2023. It's been 3,528 days since Russia's illegal occupation of Crimea on January 27, 2014, and one year and 243 days since Russia expanded its war aggression against Ukraine. During today's podcast, you can use a Russia-Ukraine war map to help you visualize the areas discussed. And there is a link in the podcast description. There are a lot of updates today. The Russia-Ukraine war report is compiled by our team from around the world. Today's report includes information from our direct contacts and journalists in Ukraine, the Russian Ministry of Defense and the Ukrainian General Staff of the Armed Forces of Ukraine morning reports, operational commands north, south and east of Ukraine, open-source intelligence, our in-house team of analysts and geospatial experts, and pro-Ukrainian and pro-Russian mail bloggers and social media channels with a track record of trying to be accurate. We have one mission – the truth. Because the truth matters. Let's start with the daily assessment. 1. The Russian Federation's shift to a private military company Wagner-style attacks in its latest offensive has created significant problems for Ukrainian forces due to the total number of troops being thrown into assaults. These attacks are causing catastrophic and unsustainable casualties, even for Russia. 2. In our assessment, Russian commanders have put mission objectives over all other considerations, and we maintain that the Russian Ministry of Defense is committed to capturing the Avdiivka salient, no matter the cost. 3. In our assessment, the Ukrainian sum of all counteroffensive has culminated, with Ukrainian forces on the defensive in all but one area of operation, or AO. This transition is not due to exhaustion of combat potential or Ukrainian losses, and culmination does not mean that Ukraine won't launch new offensives or retake the battlefield initiative in the future. 4. In our assessment, the possibility of a battalion size or larger wet crossing at Kherson by Ukrainian forces is extremely low. 5. In our assessment, there is no chance that the United States House will elect a new speaker before the continued delay has a material impact on the amount of support Ukraine is receiving. 6. The soft response by Ukraine's allies after Russian aggression on Ukraine's border will eventually lead to a significant incident that could result in military intervention. 7. The Kremlin is using the Israel-Hamas war as a distraction in the information space to fracture support for Ukraine further, and is successfully framing the Hamas-Israeli war as an Arab-United States and NATO war. This is the last day of the century. 8. Russia is stockpiling missiles and drones for large-scale attacks on Ukraine's energy infrastructure as the weather continues to degrade. 9. While the possibility of an intentional nuclear accident caused by Russian occupiers at the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant remains low, the threat should be taken seriously. Today's action report starts in Kharkiv. While fighting has not decreased, Ukrainian forces have stabilized the front in the Kupiansk AO. 
Ukrainian forces went on the offensive near Sinkivka while re-establishing control of the frayed defensive lines west of Liman Pershy. Fighting continued south of Pershotravneva and west of Ivanivka, where the Kraken regiment prevented further Russian advances. The shift comes with reports of an ongoing Russian troop rotation and the transfer of some personnel to other AOs. What's going on in the Donbass? We start in Luhansk. In the Svatov AO, the situation is the same, with the 68th Yaga Brigade stabilizing the situation near Raihorotka and consolidating the marginal gains made last week. Fighting continued in the Raihorotka area, with Russian forces continuing their attempts to advance on Nadia and testing the Ukrainian defenses east of Novoyehorivka. In the Kremina AO, Russian and Ukrainian sources reported continued fighting in the area of Dubrova, with no change in the situation. There were credible reports that some Russian reserve units were withdrawn from the region and are being transferred to the Kherson region, where there have been additional developments. I'll cover that later in today's podcast. In northeastern Donetsk, Russian forces launched new spoiling attacks northwest and west of Bakhmut. Russian troops continued their efforts to advance on Bogdanivka from Berhivka in a direct assault and are attempting to flank Ukrainian defenders by attacking from the Khromova direction. While Russian troops are attempting to advance through unfavorable terrain, Ukrainian forces are under significant pressure. In southwest Bakhmut, Russian forces launched an attack from the Litak district in the direction of Ivanivska. Russian attacks in this direction are meant to set conditions for a future attempt to flank Ukrainian forces in Klishchivka. In the Klishchivka AO, Russian forces launched unsuccessful counterattacks near Klishchivka. A graphic video that was geolocated confirmed that Ukrainian forces had advanced further east of Andreevka and are fighting under very difficult conditions. The war map was adjusted to show the marginal gains and the gray zone was adjusted. Moving on to the southwestern Donetsk, in the Avdiivka AO, Russian forces have switched tactics again, using wave attacks by light infantry that are equivalent to the darkest days of World War II for the Soviet Union. Russian commanders are sending multiple platoons to attack Ukrainian hardpoints defended by squad-sized units. Despite artillery and drone strikes and a lack of suppressive fire by Russian forces, the attacks aren't always repulsed. Ukrainian source Bakhmut Demon wrote, quote, Avdiivka is hell. They bet everything on the surrounding of the city, unquote. Avdiivka civil and military administrator Vitaly Barabash said, quote, The Russians are climbing like crazy. Despite the crazy losses in manpower and equipment, they do not stop the assaults in the Avdiivka area. They beat like crazy, lie down in dozens, and after a while leave again. Unquote. Barabash also reported that the situation with Ukraine's ground line of communication, G-Log supply line, into Avdiivka was becoming challenging. On the north flank, Russian attempts to advance toward Keramik were unsuccessful. For the south, at Stepove, Russian troops are just east of the railroad tracks, moving past the approaches of the Krasnogorivka plateau. This is roughly equivalent to the depth of the advance in March 2023. 
Russian forces are throwing tremendous resources from the Vesele area in the direction of the Terracon north of the Avdivka coke plant. Ukrainian sources report that repeated waves of Russian troops are climbing the approaches, but continue to be repulsed. On the south flank, the situation is more stable. The only reports of significant fighting were in the direction of Tonenke and near Nevelska. Moving to assessment. Russian advances have reached about the furthest points achieved in the winter of 2023 on the north and south flanks. Our assessment that the Kremlin was all-in at Avdiivka was accurate, and reserve forces continued to arrive in Donetsk, aligning with reports from insurgents in Mariupol late last week. There were unconfirmed reports of a significant number of rioters among Russian forces and some Ukrainian troops. While it seems inconceivable that there aren't enough barrels and artillery shells to stop Russian troops running across open fields and weaving through bomb-blasted tree lines, if you watched enough of the videos we've shared, you've seen that concussive force and flying shrapnel is very unpredictable. It is hard to comprehend in 2023 that the allegedly second-best military in the world would result in World War I-style trench warfare tactics, including mass manned attacks across no man's land. Like Soledar, Bakhmut and Mariupol, Avdiivka ceases to exist, and a Russian victory will achieve a territorial gain of dust. In our assessment, this is the most heavily fortified region in Ukraine, and maintaining control is critical and goes beyond the impact on morale and how it could impact future military aid. If Ukrainian forces are pushed out of Avdiivka, it will be an incredibly challenging region to reclaim. Air parity with F-16s providing combat air patrol to support helicopters, or dare we suggest, A-10 Thunderbolts in addition, providing close air support, would change the dynamics of the battlefield immediately. Regrettably, F-16s are months away. In the Marienka AO, Russian troops continued their attacks in Marienka with Ukrainian forces showing optimism about the situation. Russian troops also attempted to advance in the direction of the Pobeda pig farm, suffered losses and returned to their defensive positions. Russia did their Russian thing near Novomikhailivka, as they have done for 20 months straight. In the Staromlinivka AO, Russian forces decreased the intensity of their attacks. Attempts were made to advance north from Novomayorska and Novodonetska with no change in the situation. Continuing along the line of conflict in Zaporizhia, Russian forces launched a series of counterattacks in the Orikhivayo, mostly fighting to regain lost positions on the second echelon of the Surovikin line. Russian troops attempted to advance west of Novopokrovka, Verbove and Robotene, and north of Novoprokopivka. None of the attempts were successful, and the Orihi region has become one of the more stable sections of the line of conflict. In occupied Zaporizhia, Russian combat engineers building additional defense in Tokmak came under fire from Ukrainian artillery and suffered significant losses. Now it's time to talk about the events in the Black Sea region including Romania, Bulgaria, occupied Crimea, Odessa and Mykolaiv. The illegitimate mayor of occupied Sevastopol, Mikhail Razvazhaev, 
claimed that just off the harbor there was an ongoing attack by uncrewed subsurface vessels, and that was the source of the sounds of explosions. We can't verify the claims, but on social media the allegation was mocked by Sevastopol residents. An additional indicator that the claim is embellished? Ferry and commercial traffic was not suspended in Sevastopol harbor. In Free Kherson, it is getting difficult to say there is nothing to see here. Russian forces have moved up to the Oleshki region, including the Russian UAV Guls, the 385th Motor Rifle Regiment of the Territorial Guard, the All-Volunteer, or would it be Voluntold, 81st Bear Special Purpose Brigade, the 95th Motor Rifle Regiment, the 127th Separate Reconnaissance Brigade, and the Kherson Special Combat Army Reserve Battalion. The 10th Spetsnaz Brigade and the 126th Guards Coastal Defense Brigade are in reserve. The way the troops have been deployed, there is almost no second echelon, with up to five Russian regiments concentrated near occupied Brilivka. In the public domain, the Ukrainian 35th, 36th and 38th Naval Infantry Brigades and the 501st Battalion are in Free Kherson along with the UAV Birds of Magyar, Marchenko, Oceans 12 and Flying Skulls. Ukrainian officials have announced the mandatory and by force, if necessary, evacuations of all settlements on the west bank of the Dnipro, west of Kherson to Bereslav, citing the unrelenting attacks. Multiple Russian mail bloggers sounded alarm bells, but declared the evacuations were feigned and believe that Ukrainian forces are preparing to cross the Dnipro further west. Moving to assessment, Russian forces appear to be convinced that Ukraine is preparing to attempt a wet crossing at Antonivka, based on their recent troop movements. It is critical to point out that Russian mail bloggers have repeatedly said Ukraine is going to cross the Dnipro since April 2023. We have repeatedly assessed that while the chance is never zero, it is extremely unlikely that Ukraine would attempt a battalion-size or larger contested wet crossing, even after the destruction of the Kahovka Dam. However, it is impossible to deny that the number of Ukrainian forces on the left bank of the Konka River is growing, which I will get to in a moment. In our assessment, a mandatory evacuation along the Dnipro River is justifiable, based on our deep understanding of the security situation, because our executive producer Zarina Zabriski is in Kherson and is a witness to the endless bombing. If the general staff is attempting to make it, I'm using air quotes here, look like there is an imminent wet crossing, they are doing an excellent job. At Krynke, the Russian 26th Motor Rifle Regiment, supported by the UAV Hateful Eight, has been unsuccessful in its attempt to push a relatively small contingent of Ukrainian forces out of the settlement. Through social intelligence, the 26th appears to be very poorly equipped. Ukrainian forces are maintaining the ground and sea lines of communication from the Antonievsky Zaliznichny Mist railroad bridge to the bridge over the Verkhnya Konka river. Fighting reportedly is continuing near Pishchanivka, and a Russian video that was geolocated shows Ukrainian forces have expanded their presence east of the railroad bridge. If the Russians made and released the video, 
then the Russians are aware that Ukrainian forces are there. We will continue to monitor the situation. Here is what is going on along the Russian front. In the Republic of Bashkortostan, partisans destroyed an electrical transformer farm in Ufa, knocking out power to regional critical infrastructure. There was no other information. Before I talk about theater-wide events, a quick footnote. We are covering the Israel-Hamas war and have started situation reports available through our Patreon. $5 a month gets you in-depth information about the Russia-Ukraine and Israel-Hamas war. There is a link in the podcast description. And now on to theater-wide events. Last week, Russia shot down its own Mi-8 helicopter. The incident was finally confirmed by today's announcement of the funeral for the two pilots and the dog gunner. Ukraine's military intelligence spokesman Andriy Yusov said that Russia has an estimated 400,000 troops in Ukraine and continues to use stealth mobilization to recruit 20,000 troops a month. The forces are sufficient for separate operations on separate sections of the front, said Yusov. The United States ambassador to NATO, Douglas Lute, stated what we've assessed through all of 2023. The allies of Ukraine have not provided enough military aid. Quote, I would say that we gave Ukraine enough not to lose, but not enough to win. We believe that it is absolutely fundamental for us to change this dynamic and provide Ukraine with what it needs in full. We also disagree with the current approach, which we consider to be too slow, bureaucratic and incremental. And with each iteration of military assistance, this assistance arrives late. And I will answer as a former military officer. This means that Ukrainians are paying the price for this approach. We urge to end this approach and take a more serious approach to victory in the war. Unquote. Since I became your co-host, I've repeatedly told you about late military aid and voiced the frustration from our analysts who have assessed everything expressed by Ambassador Lute. I'm going to move to opinion. My home, Ukraine, has proven over and over again that we are good stewards of the military aid we've received. We have fought following the rules of engagement required by NATO and their allies. We are transitioning from a post-Soviet-style military to a NATO-standard military while fighting to defend every inch of our country, the largest in Europe. In 20 months, we have destroyed roughly half of all of Russia's heavy equipment for ground warfare, using about $120 billion in direct military aid, including $43 million in material from the United States Presidential Drawdown Authority. We have done this without a functioning navy and a cobbled-together air force using Soviet-era aircraft. We've defeated the Black Sea Fleet using missiles and drones. We have fought and bled and proved we can achieve victory. It's time to provide us with what is needed to achieve this as quickly as possible. President of Turkey Recep Tayyip Erdogan signed the protocol on the accession of Sweden to the NATO alliance on June 23, 2023, and has forwarded it to Parliament for ratification. 
the vote is widely expected to pass, leaving Hungary as the last holdout. Prime Minister Viktor Orban has said that he would advance ratification to Parliament if Turkey approves. Hungary once again blocked a 500 million euro military aid package for Ukraine. The move was widely expected, despite Ukraine making required concessions that Budapest had requested to flip their vote. And that's today's update. Your support of my home, Ukraine, helps us make history and protect the future for all. You've been listening to the Malcontent News Russia-Ukraine War Podcast. To help keep us independent, please consider providing financial support by becoming a patron. Want on-demand news in your hand? Download the Google News app and make Malcontent News one of your favorites to receive breaking news updates. Thank you for listening.